A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 97, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Well, what a weekend of rugby we had, folks. Thank you for joining the show today. Dan Power with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, just four games, but what a what a bang we finished with on the 4th of July. Uh, how, firstly, how was your 4th of July, mate? How did you celebrate your freedom? Yeah, so we, uh, um, so first of all, happy succession day. Oh, <laughs> good one. Of course, I'm good a proud one. US citizen, so very happy to throw the tea in the river. Um, but the, uh, uh, so, so we celebrated the 4th. Um, we made lots of mistakes. So we drove up to the mountains on July 4th, leaving Friday at five o'clock. Not a good idea. Dangerous. Um, so driving up to Redstone, which is um, yeah. actually near where, where, where Brian, Brian Hightower lives. Yeah, it's beautiful so, up there. Um, took, supposed to take three and a half hours, took six. Uh, Elliot threw up four hours in, so the last two hours, the uh, car smelt like vomit, so that was good. Um, we had a great time up there, beautiful. Um, visited Yvonne's um, aunt and uncle up there. They've got uh, a cabin that's great. Um, but it was sort of like one of those weekends where you know they go to bed late, sleep in late, and so we went to bed late and woke up early because the kids were waking up. Um, and then six hours coming back because 70 was closed because of mudslides. Oh. So I had to do the independence pass. Also wanted to stop and make sure it didn't throw up again. But um, so my challenge was up in the mountains, you don't have service. I was unable, and, and this was like, here's a travel tip, right? The travel tip is if you're gonna go up into the mountains, have your best guess at your um, super brew picks and just put something in, get something in. So when you don't have service, you at least have picks. I had no picks on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the one pick I had that I thought was a gimme, I didn't get because it could have been LA. So I don't know. I might be right down at the bottom. Is there a, there's probably a penalty? We'll find out from Stats Boy. So I, I should have just picked, but I was like, no, no, I want to see the rosters. I want to, yeah, because some of these games are really close. And um, yeah, so I, I was, uh, it, it was a bit of a struggle. But I, it, was, it was a fun Fun July 4th, but I felt like I needed a holiday to get over the holiday. Parent life, right? The holiday for the holiday when you take your kids yep. with you. But uh, I don't think you're alone in missing that last pick. I'm not sure there's too many people outside a couple of diehard Nola Gold fans that would have picked them to win that game. But um, no, yeah, you, had, good. you had three games this weekend, Dan. It sounds like yeah. you had three games. Yeah, I, I, I worked my 4th of July weekend. Um, the closest fireworks we got was during the... LA Nola game, we could hear them going out the window. So 
Uh, that was kind of special. But uh, we went for a little walk in between games. But big, big weekend, yeah. Four, four games, but doing three of them, it was definitely, uh, definitely tough. But that last game uh, was the, the cup of coffee that I needed to get through it. What a game that was. And we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, let's, let's do a bit of housekeeping. Let's do a little housekeeping first. Uh, the GDI Awards, which should all teams. So the good news is, I'll break that down really quickly. That's the grassroots development initiative. So the academies that you've seen playing throughout the year, the youth work that the teams have been doing, every team ticked the boxes they needed to tick so they will get uh, relief on the salary cap. Um, Stats Board, do you know the exact number that they'll get added to their salary cap for 2021? Um, 2022, sorry. The... Total for per team is going to remain undisclosed. Uh, the total that they could have achieved was sixty thousand dollars across all three con- initiatives combined. Okay, there you go. So that's not bad. Good, good job to all the teams. When you when you consider um, that the salary cap is five hundred grand, that's twelve percent. Um, yeah, of the that's of a good cap you get. So that's a good boost. That's a good boost. You can get get a couple of good players for that. So um, that's awesome for all the teams. And the other news is the big announcement that came out of Houston yesterday. So Heineke Mayer is now the new director of rugby. The former Springboks head coach is the director of rugby for the Houston Sabercats. So they are making a big splash. Uh, People around the world will know who Heineke is from the 2015 World Cup run, also coached professionally in South Africa and throughout Europe. So that is a big coup for the Sabercats to get him as he will look to rebuild that franchise and get them on their winning way. Uh, Before we plug our sponsor for this segment, Pete, I want your thoughts on that. Well, I think that, you know, what we've heard and, and what we've seen at Houston really from the start is that they have tremendous facilities. They've got really good sports professionals that um, can run a sports franchise, but they've kind of, I think, relied on the head coach maybe a little bit too much in terms of the like rugby connection and rugby knowledge, both with um, uh, um, Justin Fitzpatrick and um, and Heald. And so um, I think that this is a good move. It creates stability. It gives you someone that has great connections in a good source of overseas, overseas quality overseas players in South Africa. Um, and I think that that rugby setup is where Houston needed to build next. So I think it's a good appointment. Yeah, it is. And obviously those pipelines from his time in France and the UK as well. So as always, our banter brought to you by shopmlr.com powered by the rugby shop. So Pete, any post 4th of July sales? Are they, are well, they selling English jerseys at, at uh, discount prices? They, they are not, but there is an end of season sale going on. So there's 50% off. You can get, um, oh, I mean, this is uh, um, a, uh, a, a, might end up being a collector's item, but a Dallas Jackal home replica jersey, 50% off. Um, you've got uh, 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 the AGs, there's some hats. Um, I love the AG colors. Um, you know, those are 50% off. There's some Houston jerseys. Oh, wow. There's, there's a lot of stuff that's 50% off. The Free Jacks, um, Rugby United, Seattle, so Utah. Lot every team has fifty percent off stuff at shopmlr.com. So jump on there and uh, um, get your end of season gear. Yeah, and of course we'll have the uh, Cancer Awareness Collection coming up soon as well. We will dedicate a show to that because I think it's an amazing course. So 
All right, let's jump into the reviews of the game before we look at our playoff implications. And there were some implications that come out of the weekend's game. Starting off on Saturday, no implications in this one. San Diego get the win 34-21. It was really done in the first half, though, Pete, uh, the damage for the Legion down there. Seattle, again, played well in the second half, had a little bit of a comeback, but the season, the, the length of the season and, and the, the results of the season seem to be kind of just grinding them at this point in time. Well, I mean, I think that for Seattle, it was having two players in the sin bin in that first half. I think there were like two or three tries that were scored and that's really kind of like the difference in the game. Um, you know, some more interesting selections by Clarkey, right? J.P. Smith at fullback. Right. So um, his third position of the season. So I thought that was um, really interesting. And, you know, I think Nate Osborg has been a big boost for San Diego um, coming back. And I think that it's like one of those what if questions for the Legion's fans, which is if Nate hadn't got injured, how different could this season have been? I also thought, in, you know, we saw what Ceso Africa can do in space. Um, I think he's grown into the season. Uh, and, you know, San Diego defended really well in that, you know, second half. Seattle still have problems getting over the line, Dan. Like, they still have some, some, some you know, problems. They get into the, um, uh, into the right parts of the field, but they don't seem to have the ability to get over the line. But I think this is still a very much a learning opportunity for Alan Clark and, and Seattle. I think they're looking towards the future. And I think, I think for San Diego, they're just looking to end strong. Um, the one thing that stood out for me in this game is, is like the lineouts were a struggle by both teams. Both teams really struggled to have that consistent lineout. And, and we we'll see that a little bit. So It was quite breezy. And Chula Vista, you've been there a lot, yeah. Peter. It's, it's open. There's no relief there from the wind, unfortunately. Yeah. So, so I think that um, we've seen this quite a bit, I think, in lineouts. It'll be a bit of a theme as we talk through some of the other games. Um, and, you know, some of it is that, the, you know, the best line-out operators in the league aren't here yet, aren't here. They've left, they've gone, you know, they're with internationals in, in general. Most people, most teams have lost some line-out presence, whether it's at hooker or whether it's um, in the jumpers. So, but I thought, you know, this was, um, and it, you know, like there was that purple patch when Seattle was down 13 and San Diego were like, mm, two backs down, let's just move it wide yeah. and we'll find space. And, and, and that's what they did, but... You know, Seattle won the second half, and I think that was, uh, um, you know, it, it, there's lots to build on there. Yeah, Cecil Africa, player of the match, and there's one basically from his first 40 minutes because the second 40 yeah. was really tough for San Diego. But first 40, everything he touched uh, turned to goal. He was on fire, as was Ryan Mattias, Cam Clark, that whole back line. Like you said, down two players, they, they capitalised and did a great job. All right, Uh Total opposite here. We went from the sun and, and the, you know, the clear skies of San Diego to torrential rain of New England. But big upset. New York, basically with one hand on the playoffs here, Pete, uh, kind of pushed it back into the, the middle of the table and made it open again with this loss. 22 points to six. They come away with no points, New York. New England get a bonus point win on pretty much one of the last plays of the game with a try. And now New England... There, there's, there's a hope. We will say that it's, it's. We just well, talked we'll talk about, about it off there. Implications. There's like, you know, one in a million. Yeah. Yeah. So you say there's a chance, right? Yeah. Aaron, Aaron can edit that little audio. So you're telling me there's a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. So I mean, I think there is. I mean, I thought this was a really good performance. I think the foundation was 
in when when conditions are bad, right? What you have to do is you have to do the fundamentals well. And I think what New England did really well is they were really strong in their set piece. They won 100% of lineouts, which is really um, remarkable in the conditions that that game was played in. 100% of scrums. Uh, you know, New York was um, good in the scrum, but again, not so good in the lineout. It was it, it was just a game that New York couldn't get into. They really struggled with, um, you know, some turnovers. They only had one line break in the whole game, which is kind of nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this was. I don't think this. I mean, this obviously wasn't the shock of Nola versus um, uh, LA that we'll talk about later. But this was a shock. But then you know, New, New England are tough at home. Right, and so I think that we're we're, we're seeing some home field advantage, um, and so I think that you know it'll be interesting to see, you know, New England don't just aren't just acting as spoilers, right, by getting that bonus point and going for it right at the end. I mean, at the end of the game, I'm like, why are they going for it? And I'm like, aha, it's the bonus point, right? That bonus point does open up a very very small window for them. Right. Well, they look at that loss last week to Nola, which obviously has set Nola on this run that we'll talk about. But that loss at home to Nola, now they're like, oh, like with what's just happened here, and then, and who knows if what happens happens if they beat Nola. But anyway, yeah, good good I, I game. One of the one of the interesting things for me in this game, and I think we'll see it in some other games, is you know you look at New England's bench, right, and you look, and in their bench they had two players that play double figure minutes, right? And we're going to see this, I think. We're going to see, and that was um, newcomer at prop and um, Tolatau really at, um, in the back row. And the rest was just a couple of minutes here and there, which is really interesting because you would think at the end of the season, you would need to use your bench more. But I think how teams are using their bench is is. It's just, you know, really, really interesting. And in, and in fact, you know, not a lot of bench time for um, New York either. And so I think that's something to think, watch when we get through the last couple of games of the season, especially now when people's, that their bench has been, is a bit thinner because they've lost some of their starters to internationals. Yeah, we're seeing some names that we haven't seen all season start to pop on the right. bench. And speaking of benches, our next game, Toronto have a big second half to come back and beat DC, 28-24. The bench got it done, having Rob Brower sit on the bench and what a luxury late. He came on and shored up that set piece and was a big part of them coming back and winning this game. So good to see Toronto back in the winner's circle after the year they've had. Yeah, I mean, I think this was a really interesting game for me because, you know, Toronto, I think five-game losing streak and, and they turned this around. Um, you know, I thought Taylor Adams had a, had a great game, uh, really did a good job of put it, putting people into, into space, you know, um, uh, Giuseppe Dutrois, Dutrois. I mean, we've, 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 we've never quite worked out, but I thought, you know, it was good to see him at 12 um, and and playing well. So I think that this was good. You know, Sam Malcolm back there, they, they I thought, played really well. But, you know, and the interesting thing for me was the scrum, which has been a strength of Old Glory this year, they were really under pressure and that really prevented them from having an attacking platform. But what Old Glory do really, really well is that they like they take their opportunities, right? They play really well. They've got a number of players that play in space. And so, you know, they, they always score some great tries, right? Old Glory always have like one of the top five tries. The challenge is they don't really have a platform to generate 
um, points through their phase play, it's it's a little bit more difficult for them. And again, you look at Old Glory and two players played 20 minutes and there's like guys on that list that haven't played much and they're playing 10 or 11 minutes. So I think that the uh, that second half really came because there's not a lot of depth. Like you said, when you can bring Rob Brower off the bench for Toronto and Mason Flesh and, and Montero, right? These are, these are starters. And you look at the um, old glory bench and you don't have um, a lot of guys that you're like, oh, that's really a starter on the bench. So I think that that really helped Toronto in the second half. Two things stood out for me in this one. Americans don't like ketchup on their hot dogs. I found that out. Second, Canadians don't like commentators talking about food during the games in which their team is playing. I found that out as well. Man, Canadian fans are salty. Like, listen, I'm getting messages going, stop talking about food. There's a rugby game going. Like, it's the 4th of July. Our producers said, hey, we want you to talk about 4th of July. Do you think it's just something we cook up, keeping on the food theme, to talk about? No, we're told to talk about it. So is American hero on 4th of July. So talking about yeah. hot dogs is completely yeah. okay. DC was playing. What, why are you guys so selfish up there north of the border? I have Canada's favourite son, Jamie McKenzie, supporting me, saying, hey, I'm on your side. So all you Arrows fans who were chirping, okay, go back, so I, I, go back so to I your shanties. a little bit of this, Dan. Like, was this on Instagram? Was this on Twitter? Where, where did they go? Everywhere. Out? Everywhere. Facebook. All, all, all of them. Uh, I think even some people got on LinkedIn and, and came after me and gave me a downvote on my professional experience because I have ketchup on a hot dog or vice versa. No, it was, it was uh, the, our production team. It, it's pretty much... Uh, standard on 4th of July sports game is you just hate to talk about like different types of foods for 4th of July. So Bree started the conversation and then we went and then I had no idea that the ketchup on a hot dog thing was going to cause such a furor, but I was getting just berated by people to, that in fact I have fair, ketchup Dan, on my hot dog. It became a bit of a theme for you that, throughout the weekend. I did. And just, just to poke some more fun, I went back to the, because Ryan Fitzgerald was one of the guys who messaged me and, and, you know, when it comes to like American heroes, Fitzy's like at the top of the table. You just don't yeah. mess with Fitzy. And um, he came after me and I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. So I had a little, once Nola had the game in the bag, I, I had a little pot shot. And he texted me after the game as well. So, but um, just kidding. Just kidding, Canada. It's uh, I, Hopefully you realize that it's just all part of the show and don't get upset that we talked about food. For, for five I mean, they should be happy at the end because Toronto won, right? I mean, no, I think there's more people upset about us talking about food for five minutes than their team actually winning a game in the first time in six weeks. So priorities. Canada, supposed to be home of like happy, easygoing people. But I think secretly they're all miserable because, you know, they right, take I'm to social to, media. I'm going to have to get onto Facebook. I'm going to have to like get, get onto Reddit. I'm going to have to um, have a look at some of this stuff. And of course, pile on. Yeah. So as, as a fellow yeah. commentator, Dan, I'm going to pile on and be like, they would, production company would never say that. I'm appalled that they went on that long about yeah, food. It's a, it's a disgrace. Um, yeah. No, good game, Toronto. Great to see uh, the difference that the Sam Malcolm makes that team too, because obviously they're missing so many of their starters, but just his enthusiasm, I think it, it's infectious. And Taylor Adams is, is a much better player knowing that Sam Malcolm's out the back there for him. So, Love the way Taser took the ball to the line too. God, like yeah, he's not a absolutely. big guy, but he just charged out to that line and, and, and picked the right runners. And it's yeah, that's that's an art. Like for people who haven't played much 10 or haven't played ball at the line to appreciate what he's able to do there, it's, uh, it is very difficult. So 
uh, a worthy and uh, Andrew Ferguson played really well as well. It was a tough player of the match kind of decision to come down between the, those three guys. So uh, I just thought Taylor probably controlled the game. Didn't have the highlight moment that Fergie had with the, the chip over the top, but he's touches. You look at all the tries, Adams at yeah, some point. No, I, I completely involved. agree with you. I thought, I thought he managed that game about as well as he's managed a game this year. And yep. I think that he, he did a great job of putting players into space, being able to read the right options. So I, I felt like you're, you're absolutely right. I think that was, that was the right choice. All right. Last one. America's team, Nola Gold, on the 4th of July. Now, beat LA, in LA, missing 11 starters. At 11? 11 well, starters. Okay, so 11, 11 if you include the injures, injured, right? But I think it was like nine that, or, or eight or nine that are away or, that will come back, right? Yeah, but there's, there's obviously some suspensions and some injuries that have gone through as right. well. Um, but take 11 out of any team and send them to... And LA, in all fairness, we're missing some players too, but that LA roster was a good roster and playing in LA has proven to be very difficult for teams this year. So, again, upset of MLR history. Uh, people have said, oh, you're getting a bit carried away, aren't you? I'm like, well, give me a bigger upset. And, and then quantify it. Tell me why it's a bigger upset. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think this, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to the stats, but uh, I think, and, and maybe Aaron can make sure I get this right, but it's tackle the numbers. Does a, uh, um, uh, like, does uh, um, probabilities Correct. Win, win, win percentages, it's tackle the numbers. So you guys can check that out. And so um, he's been sending us some stuff. So, you know, LA had a 57% chance of winning, which is quite high. But what's crazy about this is from the, about the 20th minute to the, um, to, to about the, I guess maybe 50th minute of, of yeah, to about the 20th to the 50th, LA had a 90% chance of winning this. Like it was 14-3 for a long time, right? Yeah. And then um, Nola scored and then LA scored again, right? And it went, oh, LA got a couple of penalties and it went back to 97. So we, we all think that um, Nola shouldn't have won, but the, the actual statistics say Nola, Nola shouldn't have won. But, you know, so I wasn't able to watch this game live, Dan, and I went back and, and, and watched it. And, and I think you and um, Brian had a, had a great call for this game. And I kind of like expected this to be a game where LA didn't play very well and, and Nola was able to hold on. But actually, you know, in that first half, LA did what they normally do, right? In the first 20 minutes, they scored their two tries. They took their opportunities. But Nola had, I think, three or four entries into the um, LA 22 in that first half and came away with zero points. Like Nola could have won this game by more if they had like kicked penalties instead of kicking to touch in that first yeah. half, right? Missed three penalties. They missed three penalties, but they also didn't take some, right? Yeah. They, they had line out after line out. And so in the first half, it was LA's efficiency in turning their pressure into points. Like they had a couple of chances where they, and Nola really, you know, dominated like possession and territory, which is what you have to do. And then in the second half, there was a flip of the switch. Right where LA had lots of opportunities to score, and the Nola defense stepped up and didn't let them score when they had lineouts and scrums near their near their twenty 
you know, inside the 22. And it was Nola who, when they, whenever they got the, the opportunities and they scored. So I thought this was a really interesting game. I actually think that Nola um, were, were the better team for the first 60 minutes, even though they were, they were losing. Um, and then the bench, right? So O'Brien and JP Smith and um, Vailanaru. Uh, Vailanaru, excuse me. So I don't know where that came from. And Goddard, they all came out on the 22nd and all of a sudden LA looked about, you know, they looked a lot better, but Nola's defense was good, was really phenomenal. And I, you know, you can look at the stats. I think that Nola have learned, like earlier in the season, they tried to be this high scoring team where they would like make risky passes. Um, they had eight turnovers in this game. They only had, I think, seven handling errors. That's how they had to be LA. If you look back, they had 15 handling errors. Um, there was only one time it was in the second half where JP Duplessis, there was a loose ball. He picked it up and he tried to pass it to someone else. Like it was sort of a no-look pass and Billy Meeks intercepted it. That was yeah. the only time I remember that they actually kind of like threw it around. Nola isn't that team this year. Nola's a team and, and you, you would see them. They would hold on to the ball for phase and they won't go anywhere. For phase and phase and phase and phase. And then eventually like LA would give away a penalty and then they would kick. Like, like they were so patient. I thought this was Tim Geeman's best game. I thought he managed the game really well. He managed his depth really well. I thought JP Duplessis played well. Malcolm May, for a guy that's been injured, hasn't played much, I thought he played well. And the scrum, while under pressure at moments, which was the place that you were like, that's where they're really going to struggle. The scrum, they won 100% of their scrums. They're sometimes going backwards, right? They actually did that really well. Where they, where they struggled was O'Toole really struggled in the line-out. But I don't know that that's O'Toole. I think that's missing Cam Dolan and losing Kane Thompson 15 minutes in. Well, right. so they you, fixed that. O'Toole struggled in the first half. We had a clip there where you could see he just didn't want to throw the ball. Right. He was like hesitating and it was just out of like, Den Hoots just got his eyeballs on him and you're like, God, he's just going to go up and take this ball. I don't want to throw it, but they fixed it at halftime. They kind of shortened things up and quickened their cadence. Did almost what LA do, right? LA... So fast at the lineout, they don't give you really a chance to defensively set up against their lineout. They just walk in and form, set, jump, and then they're confident in their jumpers. But uh, wow, it was it was yeah, it was a crazy game, crazy game. You said before the game that if Nola win this, Nate Osborne's coach of the year. You still stand by that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't think I I don't think there's a coach that has done as much, you know. Before all of the internationals, I felt like Nate Osborne was doing an amazing job. They're on their fifth fly half. They've got guys that they've got three starters that haven't even played because they were injured before the season started. I just think he's his, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about sort of how you get, um, uh, how you get the, uh, 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 you know, these um, subs like these guys that don't normally start to step up. So one of the really interesting things for me is we look to this weekend, next weekend, when players are missing, the thing that you can replace is defense because defense is an effort, right? Yeah. So defense is get back on your feet, get on the line and launch, right? And so I cannot be as talented as the guy in front of me on attack, but I should be able to match his intensity on defense. It's much harder for those guys to be as skillful on attack. Right. And so what what I think Nola have done is they've created an identity that's really strong. 
right? They've created belief and they've had a really, you know, they've developed some themes for this throughout the, the season, which has helped players buy in, right? Because what you want is you want the guy to come in, play two weekends, know he's probably not going to start for the rest of the season or maybe even get into the 23 for the rest of the season, but give everything he can in, in that moment that he has. And that's, that's what a really good culture does. Coach of the year right now for me, straight up. Yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be listen. It's going to be hard. I mean, unless the only thing, that, yeah, the only thing that'll knock them if they don't make the playoffs, they kind of bow out here the last two weeks. Utah the wins. If Utah wins, I'll give it to Sean Pittman. But um, expected, like okay, if LA win, got it. That would have been that's you know if ATL win, got it. But if you look at the what they actually did, what Nola had to overcome. I think it's that team. Or you say they're the team of the year or something like that. Well, team of the year is a team that wins it. And that's like, <laughs> that's a no-brainer. doesn't matter how they win it. So whoever wins it, it's the team of the year. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got uh, to be. To touch back on your point, Pete, I think what made Nate such a great coach is his ability to connect with his players. And like you said, defense is an attitude. It's an effort thing get up, get your body in front of the other person, make tackle. Um, I think he did a really good job of putting a fence around his players in deficiencies in attack and said, don't try to go outside of this fence. You're yeah, this, right. just do, just do this. Like for the better betterment of the team uh, and the players, I think love him so much and trust the process so much that they're like, yeah, okay. I want, I won't throw that little cheeky tip on or offload that, you know, I know may look, look good, but it's not for the best, you know, best of the team and the game plan. So, all right, let's talk playoff implications. We've kind of been dancing around them through this whole thing anyway. Let's start in the East. The East went from, oh, Atlanta, New York, kind of like, eh, there's an outside chance, to now Nola's in second, control their destiny, they win out, they're in. So they don't need results to go their way anymore. They control their destiny. Atlanta in the same position. Now New York and New England who are still... Okay, let's, hold it, hold it. Let's, you said and New England. Can you explain the situation of how New England is not going to make the playoffs, but could? Okay. The chances of New England making the playoffs are somewhere between slim and you-know-what-all. But that, that part of the universe exists. So New England would have to win out. So they've got to win their next two games with bonus points. So five and five. They would need... Nola and New York to then lose out and then draw the last week because they can't lose have a winner in that no last game. Points, right? right. So Seattle would have to beat uh, Nola this week and Houston would have to beat New York. So two of the lower teams in the, well, the two lowest teams in the comp. So again, New England fans, this is what we're talking about between the slim and you know what. And then that last week they play each other. New York and Nola play each other. They would need a no bonus point draw. Just throwing it out there. But just remember. I mean, I mean, if that happened, if this happened, it would be the most miraculous end to any rugby season ever. Like, like that would be absolutely It nuts. would be but the most MLR thing in the history of MLR. What's interesting is that when New England play Atlanta, they'll know. Right, because that game on, on week week eighteen, that's the yeah. last game of the weekend. It is. And I was talking to New England yesterday about that. And I said, Well, you know 
or the tank, you know, not looking at the schedule. He goes, no. So we planned, obviously, we're going to win out. That's the confidence they have. And then, boom, showers, and they're all getting together. No one's disappearing after that game. They're going to watch the New York NOLA game. Here's the question, though, is what, what happens if you're in a situation where it's a draw, but someone's got a chance to win it, but they can't make the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know if that exists. Like, let's say New York lose. No, so week. if New York lose to the Sabercats. Yeah, but Seattle, uh, sorry, Nola win. Nola win, right? Oh, no, then New England's out. Doesn't matter. Then New England's out, right? Okay. So, so, so there it, is, it, there it is no happen. way. Right. So let's, so New England's there. So let's talk about um, the, the, you know, the big challenge, right? Is, is uh, New York is hosting the Sabercats, right? Yep. So you think that's a win. Right. Well, remember the last time the Sabercats got rid of their coach in, in Justin Fitzpatrick and, and Emmerich came in, they went on a tear and won five in a row. And one of those games was New York in New York. Yeah. So, 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 right. So, not like I don't think there's a gimme in, in Major League Rugby. Um, Nola Gold at Seattle, right? So, Seattle definitely playing better in spurts, right? Uh, I think Seattle really miss Hadding. I think he's like the heartbeat of that team, but. Um, yep. You know, they've got some quality players. They've got Larson, right? Like, he's he's doing a nice job for them. And that's a long road trip. And Nola go again, depleted, right? So that's not a gimme for Nola, right? But so, but they both have to win, right? Like, and, and Nola, again, will know what's happened um, uh, to, to Rugby United because Rugby United are playing the first game of the weekend. Right. So, oh. so that, that's sort of on, on that side. Now, well, it doesn't matter if, one... if Rugby United beat Houston, that doesn't affect Nola at all. They just keep winning in their end. Yeah. No, no, I understand. But, but if, but if, if, if Houston beat Rugby United, right, that you, they have to still win. I'm just yeah. saying that, that you know what you need to do. Right. Um, oh. Now, now the interesting thing for me is Atlanta, right? Because Atlanta, they're five points ahead of NOLA and um, rugby, un- rugby United, right? And so in New York. So to me, like rugby ATL, they, they want that home field advantage, right? But they're playing at Utah. And I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think either of these teams is going to end up with a bonus point on, on, on tries. So what that means is that if either New York or NOLA – win with a bonus point now they're within four right of of atlanta meaning that last game right atlanta need to get at least two losing bonus points right so it's it's going to be interesting that that atlanta game at utah to me is the most interesting game of of of, of the upcoming weekend so i know we're going to talk about that but you know on, on the east atlanta are really in a position where that you know Utah is so hard to beat at home, um, and if they don't win, they've got two other games where if they do win, Atlanta's now scrambling on that on that last weekend to to um, you know to win, and they have to go to the Free Jacks, and the Free Jacks are really good at home on that last weekend. So so this is a big game for Atlanta in the East. Yeah, and that's their new stadium. They're going to Quincy to Veterans Stadium for that ATL. So christening a new ground. So we'll see. But uh, let's talk West now because that ATL game now affects the West. So LA have gone from 
lockdown number one seed to potentially, not likely, but potentially losing that number one seed. If Utah can win their next two games and LA don't play well in the next two games and they play Utah, so that would be a five-point swing right there, and they play Austin, who need to win to stay in. There's, let's talk about that kind of little... So, right. So it's LA three teams in, in the West. We know that. We know that. LA's in, right? Austin, Austin can't catch LA. Yep. Austin can catch Utah. Yep. Right? Austin have to be LA. So if Austin go to LA, right, and Austin have a team that can play just like Nola did, right? You know, strong scrum, strong defense, right? Hold them out. Keep it a low-scoring game. Austin have the team to have follow the Nola blue, blueprint at LA. So if Austin win that game, right, then it could, then that Atlanta Utah game game of the weekend becomes really really important both for Utah to make the playoffs, right? Because often they probably won't get a bonus point, but they'll be one point behind. It'll all go to that last weekend. Um, yeah. And so if Utah win and LA lose, then that puts home field advantage, and we know how good Utah is at home. So yeah. it's. Like lots of interesting games over these last couple of weekends, right? And of course, LA go to Utah that last weekend. So what we want is we want Utah to win and we want Austin to win because that makes that LA-Utah game the home field advantage game. Right. And here's the crazy thing. Austin-LA kick off an hour and a half before Utah-Atlanta. So Utah will kind of have an idea, but they won't know when they start their game against ATL. Yeah. Unless it's a total blowout. So, so it lots of, you know, and, and what's interesting is that there's lots of games in these next couple of weeks that have playoff implications, right? So they may not be, may not both teams, but what, what's really interesting is the games that have both teams with playoff implications. So this weekend, um, AGs in LA, um, Atlanta and Utah, both have, for both sides, those are going to be the ones that have sort of like the most exciting games. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a good weekend. Six games. So, all right. Let's keep focused on last weekend, though. Uh, big win up in New England, over New York. Uh, upset. I'm sure it would have been the upset of the round if Nola hadn't popped up on Sunday night. But out of that came a great performance from an absolutely amazing player. I've loved watching him play, uh, abbreviated last year and this year as well. So, Pete, you had a chance to sit down with the fullback slash center, slash fly half, slash everything for the New England Free Jacks, Bodine Walker. Well, welcome, Bodine Walker, Player of the Week from the Free Jacks. Welcome to MLR Kickoff. Hey, thanks for having me on here. I um, appreciate it. Well, so before we get into um, the game, let's talk a little bit about your journey to the U.S. So um, you came over last year during the truncated season. Um, the one that called that got called um, early. Can you talk a little bit about like how you ended up at the Free Jacks? Yeah, so I was currently playing some rugby in Australia and shoot shield um, for Manly Marlins, and my agent at the time um, gave me a call and he was like, "Hey, mate, um, there's an opportunity to go and play some rugby in the United States. Um, what's your thoughts?" And um. Back then, I wasn't really too keen. I was still wanting to get back into New Zealand and play all my rugby there. Um, but when I went back home, I had a talk with my family and mum and dad, obviously, and a few teammates, and they um, 
suggested, hey, maybe it might be a good opportunity to get into this new rugby competition that's just come about um, and go from there. And so I was like, gave it a bit of a thought. And then I had my good mate, Brad Tucker, with uh, the Seattle Seawolves. He was playing with me in New Zealand at the time. Um, and then he obviously made his way to the MLR. And I, I actually rang him and said, bro, what's this Major League Rugby comp all about? Um, you know, is it worth coming over for um, and whatnot? And he, all he had was good words for the competition. So, um, yeah, it was no brainer after that. I was like, yep, get me over there. And yeah, that's and found my way to the New England Free Jacks. So can you talk about what it was like when you first arrived in New England? Like the middle of winter in New England is a bit rough. Can you talk oh, about sort of like, you know, did, did, you, did you have the right sort of clothing? Did you have the right jackets? Or were you a little light on, on, on the winter clothing for a New England winter? Yeah, I, I did not prepare myself very well. Um, I was actually, I actually had to come over a little bit later than the team when they arrived. Um, had my younger sister's wedding. Um, two days before I flew out. Um, so after that wedding, I guess, my mindset wasn't really in the right space. I had a few too many beers. Um, so packing the bags was was quite um, quite tough and had no knowledge about Boston weather um, and all that. And so I, I actually rocked up in a pair of shorts, a T-shirt, and um, just a little thin jersey. Um, so once I got off the plane, oh, I knew I was in and a bit of, bit of shit. <laughs> and yeah, so that no, was good. So I, I actually flew over, um, when was it? New Year's Eve. Um, I left New Zealand New Year's Eve, flew in New Year's Eve. And um, it was funny because I had to get straight on the bus and the boys were out in New Hampshire. Um, they actually- Oh, they were doing their team building thing, right? Yeah, they were doing the team building yeah. out there. So I, had to, I actually had to catch a bus and meet them all out there. And I didn't get until late, maybe 10 p.m., um, and obviously it was New Year's Eve, so uh, the CEO, Alex Magleby and Eric um, uh, took the boys to one of the local bars out there and um, the boys were obviously having a good time. So I rock up into this bar with my two bags and my shorts and my T-shirt and everyone's all like tucked up in these big fluffy jackets and I'm just like, what is everyone doing? I should be in one of those. Um, and it, yeah, long story short, they just basically, the way I met the team was, they handed me a, a big jug of Guinness and made me chop it. <laughs> that was a, that was a good um, entrance into the team. And then obviously got to meet everyone. And yeah, that night was an inter interesting night. So, you know, there's been um, like a, quite a bit of buzz around the world actually about Major League Rugby. And I know Sky Sports in New Zealand has been sharing, I think, one game a week. Have you heard anything from the guys back home, um, friends and family? Like, what's the buzz about MLR um, back in New Zealand? Oh, I've got heaps of friends asking me. They're always texting me, what's this comp like as well? And like what Brad said to me at the time, I'm just giving positive um, feedback about this competition. And from last year to this year, I think this, the step up um, within the game has jumped up real, really, really high. And... I've honestly got no negative or bad things to say about this competition, but I'll, I'm always encouraging people, if you haven't got nothing back home, definitely look into it because um, it definitely opens up your options to try and get elsewhere around the world wherever you may want to um, end up playing rugby. You know, it's interesting you talked about the step up in standard because it's definitely been true this year. The standard of rugby has been, um, has, has been a big step up. 
But a lot of the players that we talk about, talk to that come from overseas, just talk about how much fun it is. Like it's just a really fun competition. Do you find that? And is it just because it's wide open and you can kind of do anything? And like, like what is it that makes it fun for a player to play in MLR? Well, growing up in New Zealand, never ever would I have thought that I was going to play rugby in America. And, you know, you're back home always watching all these movies and it's most of the movies are all made in America. And I'm like, man, I wish I could go to Hollywood. Or I wish I could go to New York or Washington. And so when I got the opportunity and, and last year was actually pretty interesting because we couldn't play at home for the first five games. Um, we were on road. So we stayed in Las Vegas for two weeks. Then we came home for a few days. Then flew over to San Diego and stayed over there for two weeks and then flew back home. And then we went down to New Orleans. So it's, it's, the interesting thing about this competition is you get you get to go and really see America, um, and they always talk about there's the difference between the North and the South um, within the American people, and you definitely definitely see that see that side of them, and it's pretty cool. But um, yeah, I, I I've enjoyed it um, traveling around the states and seeing different places and and whatnot. Now you know you um, you started off at fullback. But then mid-season moved to fly half. What is your best position? And um, how did uh, Ryan Martin, the coach, approach you about moving you to fly half? Um, I've got no favourite position now. I've, I've been pushed around all over the shows once I left school. I, I started as a first five. I left school as a first five. Signed my professional contract with Taranaki Rugby as a first five. And then obviously made my way to the New Zealand Sevens, the All Black Sevens side. And once I was in that scene for a little bit, um, my 15s coaches saw potential with a, a potential putting me elsewhere in the back lines for the likes as an outside back, just because not bursting, oh, no, not gonna bust my bubble here, but like with my footwork and everything. Um, so yeah, I'm. I've got no favourite position, but the reason why I've been pushed into first five with the Free Jacks this year um, was our first five eight, Harrison Boyle, um, picked up a shoulder injury. And our first five that we had back up was coming over from Fiji at the time. And he wasn't obviously here in the country because obviously Fiji were having struggles with um, outbreaks with the COVID-19 and whatnot. And so they ended up chucking me in there and they actually enjoyed, enjoyed myself I enjoyed myself being there once I got put in that position and so they just thought, well, let's just keep you there and we'll play around with Harrison Boyle, we'll chuck him at fullback and we'll put him at 12. So, so, so hold it, let, let me get this right. So at the start of your career, you were a fly half and then you got moved around and then you took Harrison's spot and then he got moved around. Is that how it worked? That's exactly how it's gone. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the game against New York. I mean, this is a, a you know, it's a big rivalry, right? New York, New England's always a big rivalry in the States. And, and this was a big game because New York looked like a team that was destined for the playoffs and you gave them a, a pretty big um, road bump towards that. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you guys talked about going into the game? Yeah, there's, there was a lot of chat um, with, about New York and a lot of... I guess we got a lot of boys that have been in this competition for a while. They've been in the New England Free Jacks um, uh, since day one, basically, when they were back in 2018, I think. And um, so we had the likes of uh, Jackson Thieves, who's been around for a while, who's an American boy. 
and he he gave us a bit of uh, a talking to about New York and the rivalry that New York and Boston have had for many many years and can't really remember the story but um that, that really uplifted our spirits and we were like we we wanted to beat these guys we they gave us a bit of a dealing to when we went down to New York and so we we had a bit of a revenge about ourselves that we wanted to get one back up on them and um and yeah I guess those the conditions of on that day were not the conditions we would like to have played in but I guess it worked out in our favor and we eventually snuck away with the win and you know potentially uh stop them from making that top two playoff yeah, I mean, I mean, you've certainly put them in jeopardy, right? So, so you didn't even let them have a bonus point. <laughs> so that was uh, that's the big thing. I think Nate Osborne from from Nola Gold should be sending like like a, a crate of beer up to the Free Jacks at the end of the season if they if they make the playoffs. Because I think I think that's what it was. Can you talk? So, so the game was really rough, right? I mean, it was rainy, um, but it was also windy. So rain's bad, but you can probably deal with it. Rain and wind makes it really really difficult. And as the fly half, you have to make the choices about what you do. So can you talk a little bit, maybe give a little bit of insight into the guys in, um, and gals that are listening about what it, you know, what you were thinking with wind at your back in the rain and wind in your face. Cause you had a couple of great attacking kicks, right. That turned out really well. And so was that partly based on those conditions and, and some of those sorts of things? Can you talk a little bit about your thought process throughout the game? Yeah. I don't really try and let the wind bother me as much and affect me with my playing game, but it definitely helps when you've got the wind behind your back and you're putting the opposition down in their corners. And 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 we all know how hard it is to try and get out of the corners, especially with um, with the wind that we had that day. Um, but I guess, you know, there's, uh, there wasn't really much, I guess, thoughts going into my head, like obviously, Going into the game, we're like, let's just keep these forwards going forward. If we can keep our forwards happy then and get them down the field, it's just going to make everything a lot easier for our team structure and for everything else that we had planned to go into that game with. Right. Well, let's um, let's let's talk a little bit about the team. So first of all, Bowden, um, is that is that your bedroom? Is that is that where you're calling us from? Yeah, yeah. I'm in my bedroom at the moment. All right. Now, now, who do you share with? I'm with Connor Kindergan and Aleki Morris Lumi. Okay. Um, and do they have nothing on their walls to make it feel like home? Actually, you've got nothing on your walls to have a look. <laughs> you look like you're in a bit of a prison. <laughs> yeah, actually, I haven't seen, I haven't been into their rooms. Um, we normally, we're, we're gamers, so we're on our PlayStations 24 7. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're gamers, I see. Yeah, so yeah. You guys are you guys are playing, so it doesn't matter what's on the wall. So let's 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 talk about your teammates, and um, you know what uh, the question I always like to ask is, you know, obviously there's a lot of travel in in MLR, right? And and I know everyone says, oh, there's a lot of travel in Super Rugby, and I'm like, yeah, but in Super Rugby they don't fly the day before the game, yeah. right? So yeah, they give yeah, themselves yeah. a little bit more time, right? But lots of travel. Let's say you have to play Atlanta, and um, like you can't fly and you've got to drive. So I know from Boston, it's probably like a 16 hour drive, right? It's like drive all day, all the way down there. Um, who out of your team do you absolutely not want to be in the car and why? Hmm. 
That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to go with one of the forwards, and it'll probably have to be Vili Tulitau. Reason why is he's got terrible banter. He'll fall asleep in the van, and then you're going to be stuck with listening to the snoring. Oh, okay. He's, he's, so not good, he's not a good partner for you when he's when he's driving. All right. So so then who who would you want in the front seat as the DJ? Who's the guy that, that's in the front seat that, that you would want to be playing the tunes um, for the van? Um, I'm probably gonna have to go with Sefan and Nasi. He's is, um is, is, is he the DJ in the locker room? Um no, it's actually not. It's uh, Joey Johnson, but um Seth. Being a brown boy, I guess he um, knows what us Kiwi boys like um, in music. All right, cool. So there we go. So here's a, here's a question that Dan Powell asked, right? And so um, it's a social media question. <laughs> so who is the who is the like the number one person that, that people should follow on the Free Jacks? Who's the guy that does the best social media that that definitely should you should be following? Ooh, just trying to think who's all our social media boys. I'm probably going to have to go with Dougie Fife from Scotland. All right, right, Dave. You're choosing the Scottish guy like that. And yeah. then who's who's the guy that is um, thinks he's a social media king but is really terrible? <laughs> uh, going to go go with my Irish mate um, John Pollan. His, <laughs> his, his social media is horrible. <laughs> Yeah, he, he does seem like like I don't know why, but John seems a little bit more like uh like pull out the book than than pull out the phone. I, I know that's just kind of like 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 um the sense the sense I I get from him. So just like you know, appreciate the time, but want to finish up with um a couple of questions about your like your view of of MLR. So when you look at MLR, um, if you could have three players that you bring that you'd bring to the Free Jacks from any other team. Who would they be? And if and, and you can't have Matt Ditto. That's too easy. No, nah, I wasn't going for any of those LA boys. <laughs> um, who, are three, who are the three you would bring? Oh, that's tough. Well, now you've told us Brad Tucker's a good friend of yours. If you're not going to choose Brad, I think Brad listens. So <laughs> if you're not going to choose Brad, you might, you like, like now you're at the point, Bowden, that you might be like, who are the three people that I need to say so I don't get into trouble? <laughs> yeah why not i'll go with brad tucker my good mate brad tucker um he he obviously last couple of years ago he got um i think was it play of the mlr um, it, it was something like that there's some question about what like like i think he didn't get forward of the year but he got player of the year or something like that. Year, so I, he, I think i think stats boy might might step on and, and correct us if i if i got that wrong <laughs> Yes, so, player of the year. Player of the year. Of the year. So we so so Dan would always rib him and be like, Well, you didn't get forward of the year. <laughs> player of the year. All right, so Brad Tucker's one. Brad Tucker, because he got me into this competition. So I'll definitely bring him over the side. Um, okay, so hold it, hold it. Just just to make sure I'm clear, you're not bringing him because he's a good player and would be an asset to the Free Jacks. You're bringing him as a thank you for bringing you over. As a thank you, correct. Okay, got it. All right, no, that's good. I like that. I like that. Brad, Brad will be happy with that one. Um, Who else? Ah, it's really tough. I'm just trying to think. 
without being biased because I know there's a lot of Kiwis in the in the MLR, so I could probably bring all of them over with me if I could. <laughs> that, that that would not be unusual from, from the guys that have this question. So it's fine. They can all be Kiwis. <laughs> um, that's a really tough question. Um, I guess Mikey Teo. Oh, yeah. Good, good choice. Mikey Teo from Luka. Yeah. Um, I've, I've known him through the sevens circuit. Um, so oh, yeah. he'll be a really handy player to bring over. And probably another sevens guy I'm going to go with from San Diego, Cecil Africa. Oh, yeah, look at that. So you're, you're hoping to open up the attack, right? Play, play, oh. play wide and play, play with space. I'm all about the attack. I love attacks. So um, I need some good attacking players if I'm bringing these boys with me. So, you know, you talked a little bit about the experience, what it was like last year, sort of going to Vegas for two weeks, going to San Diego for two weeks. You, like in MLI, you really get to see America. You get to have the differences. What are a couple of experiences off the rugby field that you've had in your time in the US that like you'll tell your kids about? Like what are, what are a couple of things that you've done that you're like, Man, that's going to stay with me for a long time. Um, I guess one of them will probably be Washington, actually going to see, um, going down to Washington and seeing what Washington's like. You know, get to, you see it on the movies and everything. Like, 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 like the, the, uh, the reflection pool and the Lincoln Memorial and all Lincoln of those Memorial, yeah. and then you, you know you get to yeah obviously the reflection pool. We went we went out throughout the night um, to get all those uh, to tick all those sort of things off, and honestly, it was the most amazing thing ever. So that was yeah, it's all lit up at night. It's very very cool. So that's one. What's yeah, another? That's one and um, Tough. It's really tough. There's been a lot of things that I've enjoyed. Um, and I guess going to LA, you know, um, first first game of the season this year, we travelled um, over to LA and never ever would I thought I was ever going to be in stepping foot in LA. And, you know, it was funny, a few of us, we were all thinking, where do we want to go and visit while we're there for two, two nights? And um, the first thing I thought of was Compton. <laughs> I wanted to go and see Compton. I don't know why, for some reason, I just wanted to see Compton. So a few of us jumped in the van and we made our way, made our way over to Compton. And it's not as rough as it, when you watch these movies, it's not as rough as, you, as it is now, but oh, it's still definitely a scary place to, you wouldn't be, want to be walking down those streets, i tell you that. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's a, um, a pretty cool, uh, uh, you know, of all the places that, that you could go in LA saying, I want to go to Compton, actually, I think is, uh, is a pretty neat choice relative to all the touristy places you could go. You could just saying, I want to go to a place that's more real, right? I want to go to a place <laughs> that's real LA and Compton's definitely real LA. Um, well, Bowden, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your ins insights and uh, congratulations on Player of the Week and good luck in the last two weeks of the season. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. There you go, Bodine Walker. Probably one of the most exciting players in Major League Rugby, and uh, it's it's been it's been fun and frustrating watching him play this year because he's such a great player and he can do great things. But at times, I feel like he's felt 
frustrated in that in that disjointed uh, at times backline for New England. That little stretch there through the middle where they weren't winning games, and uh, you know he come off the knee injury early in the season. You know he looked frustrated. So it's great to see him back and playing the rugby that we know he's capable of. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like you know, really enjoyed talking to him. Some of the stuff that he shared, I think, is really. It, you know, it's an interesting part of MLR, right? So for a lot of guys that come overseas, come from overseas, it's about seeing America, right? And, um, you know, the fact that his, uh, when he went to LA, the first place he, he wanted to go visit was Compton. I'm like, who knew that Compton was a tourist stop on, in, in LA? And he wasn't the only one. So, you know, some of that is, is, is really cool. But I, I agree. I mean, you know, he's back next year. Um, you know, uh, they'll have a new coach. Right. Um, you know, because Ryan Martin is uh, is, I think, moving to the Rebels. Um, and so but I think that, yeah, some more consistency in that back line will be useful. You know, every coach that I talked to, every MLR coach that I talked to talked about New, New England as being one of the best teams in the league. And I think just injuries has really got to them. You know, it hasn't allowed them to have some consistency. And so I think that, um, you know, they'll be disappointed. But like we said, Dan, there's still stuff for them to play for, right? What they don't want to do is kind of like not win this weekend and watch both of the teams above them lose on a draw on the last weekend, right? So they need to, like, like, like you, you, you want to control what you can control. But um, I, think, I think like a great flyer, you know, um, you know brought up as a, as, a, as a fly half or first five, as he, his, as he would say, um, I actually think better probably in other parts of the back line in MLR where, where you can give him some um, some space. Well, that theme that you've just talked about there, it's belief, right? Like believing that you're going to win these games, the other teams are going to lose the games and believing you can win every time you step on the field. It's a big part of any sport, uh, but you know a huge part of rugby as well. So put the goggles on, get the lab coach. We're stepping into the MLR lab with the professor who will go through the tactics of belief. Peter, you have the floor. Well, I mean, I think this is this is probably the area that I'm most interested in as a coach. You know, as as you know, you whenever you talk to a head coach, probably about 25% of it as the head coach is what happens on the field. 75% of it is what happens off the field. And it's this idea of building an identity and belief. And I actually tweeted, um, there was a really interesting article in the Atlantic about the uh, England soccer team. So I had to talk about them. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday. Hopefully when this comes out, England will be preparing for the final against Italy at Wembley this weekend. But the, uh, um, I, know everyone, I know everyone wants Denmark to win, Dan. It's okay. I know oh, everyone wants Denmark to win. Think of the great of things that have come out of Denmark. Like, it's amazing. And then what has England ever produced? Apart from Pete Steinberg, nothing. So, so it, it's interesting to me that because that was actually the article was all about identity and how Gareth Southgate, the England manager, has created an identity for England. And they actually said that they brought in a guy that's worked in rugby to work with the England team. And what they talked about is that in rugby, and different than in soccer, the players are expected to own the culture, right? They're expected to have an opinion on it. They're expected to be involved in it. And I think that's one of the really important parts of rugby is the, is the fact that as the coach, because of the way the game is played, which is the same as soccer, you can't control what's on the field, but the soccer culture does not engage the players, right? And so Gareth Southgate will talk about his top players as being tribal leaders, right? He's created a history for England. So, you know, he was the guy that gave everyone um, 
uh, England numbers a little bit like with like New Zealand has and, and it's actually something that we did with the women's eagles we went back and recreated history and gave everyone sort of like hey you are this number women's eagle or this number eagle so like creating that lineage and that history I think is really important and what you see as you get into these really difficult times and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is you, when you look at a team like NOLA and you have a team like NOLA that goes to LA and when they look around and this is Dan you know this this isn't you know players when, when you're part of a good team, you look around and you're like, man, I have good players. I don't have to do that much, right? Um, uh, I think that, you know, there's, uh, I, I don't have to do that much. I've got good players around me and it's going to be exciting to play. And then there are times when you walk out and you look around, you're like, oh, I'm the best player here, right? I'm going to have to do everything. And I thought what was really interesting was the faith and the belief that the NOLA players had in each other even the guys that came off the bench. And that, that's something that I think is completely underappreciated as, a, um, as, as, as people that are outside of the game or outside of coaches. But when you talk to a coach, Dan, what's the first thing they talk about? Culture. Culture. It's the first thing they talk about. They say, look, it's all about the culture. And I think what's interesting is, um, is, is the, and, and you know, I've, I've had a couple of conversations with Nate. I, I think it's very important to him. But he's done, he's done something really interesting in this road trip. So here's a pop culture quiz for you, Dan. Here we go. Let's go. So um, you're from New Zealand, right? Yeah, West New Zealand. Continue. <laughs> no, so, so you're from Australia. Think about an Australian movie that might be a theme for Nola Gold on their sixth game. Mad Max Road, road Warrior. That's right. Mad Max Road yeah. Warrior, right? Keep, keep going. So, and so like that's been one of the themes. Nate's done a great job of creating themes for his team that create that, that are fun, that create focus and that um, break up, right? The six games. Because when you get home on a flight and you're home for a few days and then you know you've got another flight to go, it, it's a grind, right? And so what Nate's done is he's taken themes like Mad Max Road Warrior and he's used them, right? And he's taken, um, you know, other themes um, throughout the season, in particular, this six-game road trip, and he's used them to create belief, right, and to create an identity and to get people rallied. And I think that's what you saw um, Nola Gold do in LA. All right. What's your? Uh, I've got my two themes for Nate. Nate, I know you're a big fan of the show. This weekend, Free Willy, part one, goes to the killer whale, and you know you want the you want the killer whale out of the MLR. So jump the rock wall. See you later. Go ready for that. And then Escape from New York is your theme for the last one. Kurt Russell, great movie. Kurt Russell? Is that Kurt Russell? Yeah, Kurt Russell. Escape from New York. Escape from New York with five points, baby. And it's the playoffs for the gold. So, yeah, there you go. I do love... It is funny. Like, I've often had this conversation, maybe not on a team level, Pete, but, like, individual players that, you know, I've talked to and, you know, played with and against over the year. And I never forget a guy that I played against and I could never figure out why he was great. Like so hard. And he came to, came to our club and we were doing a testing segment. And I was like, I had to see this guy's like testing. You know, we do like the anaerobic, you do your threshold right. stuff, your VO2 stuff, your, you know, distance, short sprints, bench press, squat, everything. I beat him in everything. I'm like, I don't get it. He had an unwavering belief in his ability to beat you no matter what. And if he didn't, you got lucky. I'll beat you next time. And it was like this, 
almost dumb confidence. And I hate to say that, but it was like, I'm like, if you look at that board, you have no reason, like no, you know, built in faith or, or confidence to beat me. But you do every time because you just believe that you can do it. Belief, man, it's, it's such a powerful tool. And how do you coach it though? Like, how do you instill belief in a team? That like, okay, so you coach the Women's World Cup. You're playing New Zealand. And I know the result doesn't go your way, but you've got to go through the week saying you've got to believe that you can beat this team. How do you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think most of it is um, you have to, uh, as a coach, so there are two things, right? So one is you want to make sure your players are connected with each other, right? So in other words, when I feel like, so, uh, you know, and I do this with, with, corporate teams, right? And executive teams for my work. And, and what I talked to them about is I said, being part of a team is a feeling. You feel like you're part of a team, right? And so, but those feelings come from actions. So part of belief is knowing that the people either side of me are on the same mission, that they're committed as much as I am. And even though it's going to be difficult, we're going to do this together. So part of it is having, is having that connection and that understanding that we're all going to just do whatever we can. And then the second thing, which I, so that one, I, I don't think it's easy, but I think it's easier when you're an underdog, right? Because I think that you're challenged that way. The second one, when you're an underdog, like when we played England or when Nola played LA, is you have to believe in your systems and processes that are going to get you the actual win on the field, right? So you've got to believe in your defensive systems, right? And you've got to believe that, so you have to believe in the system philosophically, and then you have to believe that everyone's going to commit to fulfilling that. Right. You have to believe in, 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 the, in the strategies that you're going to apply and the tactics that you're going to apply in the game. So there's sort of belief in each other and then the belief in the approach that the coaches have put in for the game. You have to have both of those, I think, to be able to do it. And then, you know, what you've talked about is the and, and, and we've heard this a lot from um, coaches when we, they, you know, when we talk to them in the offseason, they'll talk about when they go and recruit like the attitude of the individual is really important to them. So what you've talked about, Dan, is someone who just believes in themselves. If someone doesn't believe in themselves, it, they can be brought along by the team, right? So if someone doesn't believe in themselves, but they, they believe in the systems and the approach and they believe in each other, they can believe, even if they don't have the confidence. The challenge of someone that doesn't believe in themselves is when the game isn't going well. Right. Mm. And so when the game isn't going well, so your systems aren't working or the people either side of you, the people that have the belief in themselves can pick their teammates up. And the people that maybe don't have that self-confidence, confidence, they're the people that might try to do a little bit too much. Right. Or they might try to hide. And so that's why you know, you're not going to get everyone who who has like that mental toughness to be able to always do what they're supposed to do. Right, which is sort of that self-belief, and, and that I know I can do this. You, you're not going to get 15 or 23 of them, but you need enough of those guys. Like, you know, I think Hanno Dirksen kind of feels like one of those guys. Oh, 100 percent, 100, right, and 50 million percent, right? Yeah, and so he's one of those guys. He's just like, I'm going to beat you. It doesn't matter what the score is, and you need enough of those guys that when things aren't going well, that they can pick the rest of the team up. Yeah, I love it, Pete. I love it. I believe in you. Pete. Thanks, thanks, man. I believe in you, Dan. You and Aaron. That's why we're going to hit 100 shows soon because we believe in each other and we can do we it. Do. All do. right, let's do our uh, quick rundown of where to watch games this weekend. Six games. Six games this weekend. So we have a full slate of games. Uh, starting at Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Houston at New York. That's going to be a big one to watch. MSG up there, AT&T in Houston, the Rugby Network, everywhere else. 
Late game, uh, later game on Sunday, I should say, is at 5 p.m. Eastern, San Diego at DC, Fox 5 down in San Diego, NBCSW and TRN. Late game Saturday, there's two late games Saturday, Austin at LA on KBVO and Bally Sports, uh, TRN, everywhere else. And then the late, late game is Atlanta at Utah, KSL app. Um, game of the week. It's it's got it's got to be right. I mean, between Austin, LA, and Atlanta, Utah, those are the big ones. But the playoff implications for the East Coast come on Sunday. So Sunday, New England at Toronto. So this just went from a game for New England where it's like, yeah, we can win this, but Toronto looked pretty good, and they're going to have be a little more confident, especially those young guys going to have belief. Yep. They've gone from being, you know, put in a corner and kicked around to like, you can win now. So. That's a really big one. That one's on CBS Sports. And then the late game Sunday on FS2 is NOLA at Seattle. So you're going to have to wait until the very end of the week if you're uh, a NOLA fan to see if that resurgence continues. All right, let's bring in Stats Boy for our updates. And uh, I think I, I, I went up despite going two and four because there was two updates <laughs> on the week. So, um, Dan, you did go up. I went up. Um, or, or let's just start, you know, way at the bottom because uh, the professor, for as bad of a job he did picking, he didn't go, he didn't drop that bad. He only, yeah, because everyone down there is terrible. <laughs> I'm down with all the people that don't pick every week, and I've been picking. So he's uh, professor drops down three spots to to 37. Um, I was in uh, a bit of the same boat, uh, for one pick because I, I was, I was looking at the roster and then something came up and I wasn't in front of my computer and I didn't pick new England versus New York. So, and Pete asked this question earlier. So what happens if you um, don't pick? Well, it goes into default and default picks are whatever the crowd uh, has picked. So the majority of super brew picked New York and it takes like an average of whatever they pick. Um, so basically we both lost that game and didn't get any um, bonus points because we weren't close to the score, um, which which kind of sucks. So if you went default and got all the default points, well, maybe you got one for LA. Um, but I also went up uh, three spots to 17th, which or was it three spots or one? Let me look. Two spots. And then Dan... He's he's got himself back into inside the top ten rather yep. than at tenth. He is at eighth. Um, Larry is uh, four points clear of Bobby Bobberson, so I, I don't think he's catchable. Maybe he is. Um, he's definitely not catchable by the the rest of the top five. Um, to give you some some semblance of an idea of of how as far as picking, and there are like 4,000 people picking games on Super Brew to give you an idea. 91% um, pick the Giltinis, and most people uh, pick the Giltinis by more than five. Yeah. Um, so only 9% of Super Brew picked New Orleans. Um, and interestingly, uh, a few, most of those scores had New Orleans by five or more of that 9%. So not not really too many. Um 
I almost feel like that feels high, to be honest. Nine percent thought New Orleans. New Orleans it it seems game. high. It's, it seems high. Don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, so the number of the week, which sort of Pete touched on earlier, is nine. That is how many international players that uh, New New Orleans was missing. And I need to pull out the list because it's it's sort of long, and I got one wrong earlier. But here we are. Let's go. Let's see if we can do it quickly. There's uh, four in the USA. Waldron, Harmon, Dolan, Guerra, Canada, yep. Bailey, Howard, Kratz, Kratz. Uh, Uruguay, Ignacio Dotti, and Chile, Dottie. Uh, Nicola Bursic. Um, wow. So that's so that's a lot of forwards and a lot of those like second row back row. So ba- like it's a whole pack. It's a whole pack. It's gone. Right. Um, and then packs, and then a few backs. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a now, tough one this week. Now who's injured? Give me the injured. Like, I, I just love the fact that they won this game because you, you, I have a whole team, Benola, that's not playing. Injured. Uh, it's, I know Feeks. Feeks Elof, is out. Yeah, but he's been Coleman. out all season. No, that doesn't matter. You just add him in Coleman. There. Um, so you have two, like, tens right there that are, that are out. Uh, yeah. Who in the the front row is out because they have Kevin O'Connor and Kevin Sullivan playing tons of minutes. So I'm trying to think who who up there is out. Um, and then oh, in the back row uh, this weekend to cover for Devin Short, who's out for the next two games, uh, was we saw Osayasi Tongawia uh, get his MLR debut. Um, and he got to play alongside his brother, which was pretty cool. Um, and then injured in that game early was kept their captain, Kane Thompson and William Wegis back had to play 61 minutes. And he has including, he has only played four MLR games in four seasons, including this, the three this year. And he played pretty well. God, I hope I, I just, sorry, Seattle. I hope they win and then they get everyone floods back in. Because you imagine the confidence of those guys. Oh, I and then all of a sudden like, everyone comes back. They're like, we yeah. can't lose. Like, we can't so, lose. It's also one of the things, Dan, and, and, and you'd have experienced this. When you play a higher level, the game is faster. So the guys that for all the MLR teams that are playing overseas in international play for these two weeks will come back and will be just better players because of their experience. As long as those players still stay healthy, they'll come back, the game will feel slower, and they'll be more impactful. Mm. All right, let's pick them for this weekend, buddy. Uh, Houston, at New York. What are you thinking here? Um, New York. I'm going Sabercats. Listen, no offense to New York. Only reason I'm doing this is to continue to see the Nola run just because I think it's so fantastic. Um, I don't know. I just feel like the magician Sam Windsor is going to pull something. He's, he's he may not. Uh, how, what's what's the the rating on this show, Aaron? Like, do kids listen to this show? No. I Interestingly, I we have a young audience and we have an old audience, and we don't hit the uh, I guess the middle millennials a lot like you and me. What? With all my references to that era? Come on, guys. I'm disappointed. Now they're off listening to Joe Rogan. You know, talk about the universe. Maybe if you and I uh, get a little of the wacky weed on the show, Pete, what do you reckon? Like Joe does? Start talking about the cosmos? I think we're okay. No, okay. So let's San Diego at DC. 
What are you thinking here? This is an interesting game to me. This is sort of like one of those games I don't know what the coaches are going to do. Um, I actually like San Diego. I keep liking San Diego. Like I said, I think Nate Osborger coming back. I think that's been a big boost to them. I think Joe Peterson, like I suspect this is his last um, uh, opportunity. Run yeah, run yeah. around. So um, I think I think they'll uh, um, they'll they'll want. So I think it's San Diego, but I think it's close because I think the uh, DC have the ability to score from anywhere. They've got so many good um, playmakers. Uh, but I think San Diego wins this one. I think it's a high-scoring game. I think this is like, you know, it, when you get to this part of the season, that effort in defense maybe isn't as good, right? So I think this game's going to be like 36-34 San Diego. Yeah, I, t- I tell you, DC missed those ball carries from Jamison Vahana Schultz and uh, Mikey Sosani Fungai. That's right. Just that good initial charge, quick ball. They love quick ball. No Callum Gibbons. So this could be a roster decision if they get Gibbons back and they're healthy and... You know, it's a tough road trip. But we, yeah, and I'd have to see if Peterson's playing. Peterson didn't play on the weekend. The Glaciers did a great job at 10, though. Uh, all right, Austin at LA. Surely not two in a row for the Giltinis. I, I think Austin can I think Austin can win this game because I think they have the game plan. I think a lot will pick depend. Em. I I, I I'm going to pick LA because I don't because oh. I think they've got too many quality players. But this will be a very close game, and I think it might be the bounce of the ball. Um, so I think that we've got. Um, I think this is uh, LA, but I think it's going to be something like you know 22-20, and Austin can definitely pull it off. Little penalty kick at the end, maybe. Little yeah, penalty kick. Could... Yeah, it's going to be like a penalty kick or something like that. Uh, I think I'm calling this game, so I'll lay off the predictions for it. Atlanta. At Utah, no Teo, no Cruzay, no Basker, no Hurst, no Mullen, no Whiting. Atlanta missing no one. So, what do you think? I think they're missing Reese. They're missing Ryan Reese. Yeah, he hasn't played a ton, to be honest, at nine. It's not like taking Michael Basker, who's been there starting nine for, you know, 75% of the season. I think, I think, yeah. I mean, I think this is a tough, this is a tough one to call for Utah. The one thing that Utah has is they have home field advantage and they're very good at home. Right. So you've got to wonder whether that's going to be um, the a deciding factor, but you know, I, like, like I said before, I think the challenge that Utah have is generating points against that defense. Um, and so, you know, this is going to be a grinded out, Thing. I think that, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Kirk Coleman plays. Yeah. Right? Yep. I mean, I mean, like Atlanta, while other teams are kind of like, that's a, that's basically a high quality mid season signing that's been with you for two years. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I think the, I think Atlanta, I think Atlanta, even though, you know, I mean, and I, you know, you know, my love for Scott Lawrence and their defense, you know, for the, for the playoff implications, we want Utah to win. Right, because it makes the East more competitive and it makes like home field advantage more competitive. But I think Atlanta are going to pull this off. But I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be like 25 um, 17 to Atlanta, something like that. I just don't think, I just don't think without their playmakers and without their scrum half, um, I think it's going to be really, really hard for Utah to generate points. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. And uh, I, I tell you, I went to the, the locker room of Utah after they beat New York out there. 
And uh, you know when you walk into a locker room and you can just feel like a good culture, like a good vibe. I know they just had a big road win, but I'm like, man, this, this place is just humming right now. It's like, this is, you wanted to play. Like, you're like, oh, I'd love to be right. a part of this. Like, this is a great yeah. place. So there is that belief that you talked about in Utah right now, but I just worry for the same reasons you do, that their, their circuit breaker players in Teo in particular uh, are not there and that Atlanta defense is can just be so stifling and so frustrating that not having those players there that can do a little bit but you, you just never know mate Nola in LA well, I, mean, I never look, would have thought that but um, this 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 could go the bounce of the ball I think ATL win this just because they lock everything up with a win and and uh, they've got they're coming off a week off they're fresh and yeah tough road trip no, no, I, I think I think that the the one thing I would say is that what, what Utah have and, and, you know, a little bit like, you know, the, the San Diego and new, new England is that they actually have a really good playing base. There's a great competition in Utah. There's a lot of good players that play in Utah that haven't played MLR. Um, they've got, you know, a, a, a great team builder in Brandon Sparks, like their depth, they might bring some players, into their squad, missing all these guys that we haven't seen that could be studs, right? That that can step up, step up physically and be able to yeah. play MLR. So that's the one thing that we don't know. And both teams had the weekend off. So they're both coming rested and they'll right. both come in prepared. And I think that's really important for Utah. It wasn't like last week we had all these guys and then next week, like this week, we don't. It's like two weeks ago, we didn't have those guys, but now we've had two weeks of practice without a With game. With this squad, that, yeah. that, that will mitigate losing those guys a little bit. It's a good point. I will stay with Atlanta, though. New England at Toronto in Atlanta. Oh, this is a tough one. I can't wait to stop saying that. I can't wait for Toronto to go home next year. Yeah. Just be no, I'm sure Toronto can't wait to go home. Yeah. Yeah, Toronto looked good. Um, you know, New England need to win. Um, you know what? I'm know. Toronto here. I, I was on the Toronto bandwagon for most of their five-game losing streak. I'm going to stay on it. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, Sam Malcolm backs it, it really important. I think, I think they've got lots of guys that have come back that I think, you know, Rob Brow, we talked about, we'll probably see a little bit more of him than the, than the 20 plus minutes he had before. Um, so I'm going to go with Toronto, but this is going to be really close. I mean, I think this is going to be a, this is I'm making close. this pick on Sunday morning okay. because I'll yeah, know if right. New York beats Houston, then you kind of know that New England's out of it. No, I think Toronto will win. New York lose to Houston. I think that's motivation enough for New England to come out and really let it go. Uh, so I'll make that pick Sunday morning. All right, Nola at Seattle. Nola, I got in first. Nate Osborne, yeah, I think, like, coach of the year. Like, I, think, I think Seattle can definitely win this game, but I think, you know, we just talked everything about belief. It, it, it's tough fly home from LA, try and get guys prepared again, go out and do it again. But we've been gouging Nola. I mean, probably they'd probably stay on the West left. Coast, wouldn't they? Maybe. You'd think that's what teams have typically done with those West Coast runs to save themselves on travel. Uh, yep. They just stay in LA. They went home. Oh, they um, went home. Yep. And they had the second line and the Go Gold um, Club uh, to greet them on um, yeah, Monday. Um, so when they got home, that's pretty they cool. had you know people in the terminal with signs and everything to welcome them home. So I think they'll be all that. right. 
I love what they're doing. And it's a Sunday game, so it's not like you're not getting Late short Sunday. rests. So yeah, it's, you can it's fly fly Saturday morning from New Orleans or Saturday lunchtime and get there Saturday afternoon, get off the plane, check in. Sun stays up forever this time of year in Seattle, so you can do like a late captain's run around the time of kickoff and just boom, blow the cobwebs off. Long day Sunday to rest and get ready. Yeah, you're right. Fair enough. Uh, and that wraps it up. Pete, uh, we'll talk a little international stuff. Obviously, the, the results didn't go the America's way with Wales winning over Canada, England over the USA. Uh, Rickard Hatting was cited, cleared, so free to play. He'll be available for selection against Ireland. And it's USA, Ireland, Canada, England this weekend. Uh, quickly, give me your thoughts on those two games from the past weekend, though. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought you know, um, both teams come in without much prep right this is the real challenge it's the reason why you see these tier two nations competing better at the world cup because they actually have time together but you come in in that week you might have two or three sessions on the field before you go play versus england that have been together for a month and wales that have been together for a month um the u.s really stepped up they you know i think we showed particularly in that second half what we could do there was a great um made in you know made in utah try uh, that, that Dyer scored. But I think overall, the US um, played better than Wales. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, of course, these are really precursors to the World Cup qualifier that's going to happen this fall. So for both of these teams, it's much more about prepping and learning for that World Cup qualifier than it is for the game. But I think Canada's going to hope for something a little bit more um, uh, when they when they play England. And that'll be a good test to see sort of where Canada and and um, the U.S. match up with a common opponent. Yeah. Yep, it will. It will. And you almost wonder if that second half surge from the USA against England was uh, the worst thing that could happen for Canada because now, you know, knowing Eddie Jones, you know, he'll, he'll dissect that second half and there could be a, a more ruthless England coming out this week. So it uh, should be a good, good game, Pete. And then... Uh, we were going to talk about the conference finals, but there is still some uncertainty around the times and date for that. But we do know it'll be that July 24th, 25th weekend for the semis, which will be on CBS Sports Network. And the final will be Sunday, August 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern on CBS, big CBS. I think uh, Commissioner George Killebrew has mentioned big CBS 150 times already this year. So everyone knows that's where it's going to be. All right, Pete, final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we're coming down to the end. There's lots of challenges for teams, but still lots of rugby to watch and, and rugby to enjoy. I'm excited for this weekend. And don't forget, we're coming up on our 100th episode and we're looking for people to um, to, to do uh, um, reviews, right? So wherever, you know, whether it's Spotify or whether it's uh, um, Apple, please, please leave your reviews. The more reviews you get, the more people find MLR kickoff. And I think we're... Think about having a giveaway as we get towards our 100th episode. Yeah, it sounds like we might be able to get our hands on a jersey. So um, we'll have next week's show. We're going to have this ironed out. I'm going to put the pressure on uh, producer Aaron Castro to have this ironed out by next week's show. And we'll have details on how you can win the jersey. So I actually don't have an MLR jersey, do you? Nope. Mm. I do not. Yeah. I might create a burner account and go do a review so I can win it. Oh, wouldn't that send the masses in into a rage, fit of rage? Yeah, you should call yourself Ketchup on Hot Dogs. Yes. That should be the name of your burner account. Double entendre there, just pissing everyone off. If I win and then I've got ketchup on my hot dog. All right, we 
this will be the last time we talk about ketchup on hot dogs. I promise Canada, it will never again. Food and rugby won't mix. You salty dogs up there. All right, that wraps it up for the Professor Pete Steinberg, our producer, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 97 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.